Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bengal Tiger podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me today is Jake Thompson, who covers Ole Miss at for on three at omspirit.com. Jake, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah. Um, Ole Miss, obviously, um, and a very interesting team with Lane Kiffin at the helm. Like, there's never a dull moment, it feels like, uh, with him. Um, coming off an eight and five season, um, obviously, the seven and zero start is where they grabbed the country's attention. It was Ole Miss was how good is this team? Uh, the back end didn't go as planned for them. Uh, but just how would you summarize what last year was, uh, both good and bad? I think it was a season where the expectations kind of were there, but then people were accepting of, all right, it's a front load, easy schedule. And then that back half is just nobody, nobody should ever want to have that, those last seven games that, that Ole Miss had last year. And, you know, they kind of ex- ex- accepted that, all right, it's going to be a fun couple uh, months of the season. And then the back half is going to be what it was. Then when it got here, I think everybody was still just frustrated and mad and, it was like, you know, I think they bought into that 7-0 and start and uh, felt good, the top 15, top 10 rankings. And they thought Kiffin had everything on track. Quinshawn Junkins was just breaking out. Dart looked to be finding himself. The offense was lighting up the scoreboard. But then you got those better SEC offenses, and I think that exposed the Ole Miss defense and just kind of snowballed from there. And just kind of a downer of an exclamation point, or even if you would put it that in that Texas Bowl, performance against Texas Tech. I think everybody was just ready to kind of put the hay in the barn and let's move on to 2023. Yeah, because you come off a 10-win season in 2021 and the 7-0 start and an 8-5 and season um, for Kiffin in year three isn't bad. It's something you can build on, um, you know, some positive performances um, in the season, even with the – I mean, the win over Kentucky I still consider as a pretty pretty big moment um, for Kiffin and them. But I think you mentioned it, Quinchon Jock – Quinshawn Judkins, his emergence last year was really what everybody talked about in the country. And uh, this offense being so run heavy um, was, I I don't know if it was unique for Lane Kiffin, but it was something that really was, was interesting to watch. Just what, what did you make of Judkins emerging uh, like that? I I think everybody was kind of focused on Zach Evans coming in, Mm -hmm. you know, transporter guy experienced division one guy. You kind of thought you knew what you had in him. And Judkins, you know, really nobody knew much yet because he just kind of burst onto the scene. I mean, obviously, it's been talked about at Nauseam Kiffin off by himself at the game, recruiting him in, the, in that state championship game. Uh, nobody else really kind of were honed in on him, but Kiffin kind of did full court press and, and they got him over here. And, you know, it, it ended up proving to be a very uh, str- a smart move because Zach Evans was a hit and miss up and down. Injury played a little bit, missed from the game. And then Judkins kind of became the bell cow. I mean, becoming the bell cow as a freshman in the SEC, you're thinking, oh, it's a Georgia running back or an LSU running back or Alabama back. Oh, it was an Ole Miss running back doing stuff that people hadn't really seen a young Ole Miss running back do for a long, long time. And, you know, I kind of equated to that high school comparison of 
uh, you got the kid who comes in maybe as a junior or sophomore and nobody has to take off. And he just breaks through and just has that year. Now the question is, people got tape on Kushan. People kind of know, all right, got to know where number four is at all times. How does he adjust to that this year knowing all eyes are on him and all the defensive coordinators kind of know about him? That's that's the thing I'm, I'm more most excited about seeing is how he adjusts and grows because the hype is still there. The expectations are still there. I mean, it's kind of a long shot at the moment. No Miss has a team and have to kind of do its part. But, you know, people in Vegas are kind of kicking the tires on Judkins' Heisman odds. I mean, I know it's mm-hmm. end of June, July, and there's 12 games to be played. But that just kind of shows you where the nation has valued Judkins entering from his freshman to his sophomore year. Yeah. Well, without Evans, it's interesting to to see how many carries he will get um, this year. I mean, obviously he got a ton last year, but uh, it would be interesting to see uh, just in terms of his national recognition continuing to grow. Uh, now, at the quarterback position, it was an interesting offseason, to say the least. Um, obviously, Jackson Dart's back, and then Kiffin goes and adds Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State and Walker Howard from LSU. It's now a, a super competitive room, um, a super talented room. Uh, just what do you make of the additions, the quarterback battle, or just how everything is looking right now? You know, it's you know we all felt dark. It starts kind of team he got the keys to the car especially when we knew it was kind of that unspoken thing of luke altmeyer he's going to enter the portal but when's he going to do it stuck through the of the postseason did a, the bowl practice was there for the game and then hit the portal and quickly ended up in illinois so we were like okay it's art's team but now they've got to go get some just some bodies art was the only scholarship quarterback uh that they had in the room with outside of some practice squad uh underclassmen and so you know, they kind of missed on that Marceau Reed kid and the recruiting class. Uh, they lost him kind of at the 11th hour. So then they were kind of looking around, and then you see him get Spencer Sanders, who was kind of talked about, uh, but he never – kind of Dylan Gabriel last year where he was talked about, but then yeah. he ended up going to, to Oklahoma. But there was more smoke to this fire of a Spencer Sanders. And then Kiffin ends up landing him from Oklahoma State where he'd been a starter for, for multiple years, four years, I believe, and mm-hmm. successful with Mike Gundy. So then the question is, oh, well, Nardar's got this quarterback battle for a second straight year, but competition is a little bit stronger than it was in a Luke Gartmeyer. You kind of felt Dart was going to eventually overtake Luke, and he did. You know, then Spencer comes in with the shoulder injury from before he got to Ole Miss, and that's kind of a slow spring. Gets going towards the last couple of weeks, and you see him start to use his shoulder more and his arm strength, and he looks really good in the Grove Bowl. But I still think if I had to put a marker down, I'd say Dart's the clubhouse leader at least entering summer and fall camp. And now the question is, does Spencer feel K being kind of the 1B to the 1A of Dart, uh, a package-type guy? Like, do they – will they use him in certain situations? They In the Grobo, he they used him in a lot of run plays. He, they, he was using his feet a lot, which I don't know if that's Kiffin tipping his hand earlier yeah. than he wanted to or if they view him as just kind of a complimentary to not having to make Dart run so much. So I – I think there's still a battle, but then it also kind of comes down to is Spencer okay going? He's not the guy, and he's got to fight through these four weeks. And then even – I'd say even into September before the Alabama game, those first three non-conference games may be another audition uh, of sorts that Kiffin did with Dart and Altmaier last year. Yeah, I, I think you kind of mentioned as well as they ran Dart so much last year that it, it, it is nice to have Sanders as – a change-up option, even though he he can run the ball too. He can run a lot of stuff. You don't have to have different offense 
when Sanders comes in. I think that's a, a positive. Um, at For the transfer portal hall with this offense, um, I specifically am interested by the receivers that they added. Um, Zakari Franklin from UTSA. Um, I'm, I graduated from North Texas. I, I watched a lot of North Texas. So Conference USA, I watched a lot of UTSA uh, beat up on North Texas with Zakari Franklin, and he is an, an awesome player. Uh, Trey Harris from La Tech. Um, also, you know, Conference USA there. And then Chris Marshall from uh, Texas A&M, who's kind of the wild card between those three. How essential was it to add those three receivers and just what are your expectations for them and the pass game as a whole? You know, it's I think the passing game right now, it's going to be kind of a by committee. Last year you had Mingo and Heath kind of as you knew your top two guys and everybody else kind of helped get them open and, and make their own plays. And this year you got Jordan Watkins as kind of a lone returning experienced guy with the most production from last year, followed by Dayton Wade, who was a walk-on. I believe he's kind of earned himself scholarship now this year, so he's on scholarship. Then after that, you've got Jalen Knox, J.J. Henry, who were from last year but didn't play much. Knox was injured. Uh, Henry just didn't get a lot of touches. Uh, and then you bring in uh, Trey Harris, Walton, and, you know, a few other guys to kind of help just make that more of a complete body of work. I don't think you're going to have a massive star maker, playmaker guy, unless somebody jumps out of the room early mm-hmm. and that's, that becomes their guy. I know they really wanted Coleman. They lost him. Uh, that was one they really wanted. And they went Everyone kind of, wanted Coleman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, he was a hot commodity. They lost out on him, so they had to kind of go find a guy. And so they hit up uh, Sakari. And I think that's a good fit. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him. Obviously, these summer transfer guys or late spring transfer guys, yeah. we, we didn't get to see it in uh, spring practice. So there's a lot of question marks and how is the passing game as a whole going to look getting everybody here. Uh, Watkins was kind of in and out in spring, just kind of ner- kind of getting full healthy, 100%. They knew he had, so they didn't use him too much, work him too much in the spring. And so he just kind of took it easy, so to speak. So. The passing game, I think, is key because you've got to have that to, to kind of blow off the top, make people back up so you can have Quinshawn in the run game do what it needs to do. So I think that there's a lot of pressure on the passing game this year more so and it's just the unpredictability and the unknowns of it. Yeah, I will say I will say I think it'll be interesting to see Zachary Franklin at this level because he was so dynamic at UTSA. So it's uh, it'll be interesting for him. I just did an Auburn show where it was – talking about Jared Shorter, transferred from North Texas, who was similar vein of explosive transfer, uh, transferring up. Um, I guess last thing on the, on the offense for this year, do you foresee it being a similar balance of run pass where it is run, you know, 60% of the time or so where they were, you know, I think they're third in the country in rush yards per game. Uh, do you see it being the uh, same thing, similar, maybe a little bit more balanced or what, what do you think? I think it's going to be run first just mm-hmm. initially and kind of fought, piggybacking off the last kind of answer there until the passing game becomes reliable, consistent, and and, yeah. and kind of gets the, the machine going, so to speak. You know what you got in the run game. Uh, you got a Ulysses Bentley back who can kind of be the backup to, to Judkins uh, to give him some breathers. And you got a freshman and Kedrick Rosano, another Texas product, uh, coming in as a true freshman. So you've kind of got a stable – running back room and I think that is going to be kind of how the offense goes at first is establish Judkins in the game and force the defense to to kind of have to allow those receivers and Watkins and Franklin 
and, and Trey Harris and others to, to take advantage of that. But I think as the season goes on, I, I part of me wants to say it tries to keep it as balanced as possible, but I think in the end is the run game is going to kind of have the edge and be the, the spearhead of the offense. Yeah. Flipping it to defense, uh, Pete Golden now as the defensive coordinator, uh, obviously getting him from Alabama, it's a big deal. Uh, the defense, like you said, for, for me, obviously just looking as an outsider, and it look, did look like not only the schedule got tougher, but maybe the, the the got kind of worn down a little bit on that side of the ball. Just what what have you seen so far? What have you heard so far about Pete Golding as a DC? What are your expectations of him? Uh, every player we've talked to has just been kind of a rejuvenated enthusiasm. Not that the defense was down on what they had last year. It's just I think something new. You always get excited, especially something yeah. new that you get from an Alabama. I think you get really excited just because you know the success they just have year in, year out. And Pete Golding's a name that that's kind of breeds success. And, you know, we saw an instant change uh, immediately in spring practice uh, this back in March and April the with the four-man line. I mean, it's been a kind of a three-man front line on defense for the past few years, and it just wasn't working with the personnel they had. It was just they were getting gouged in the run game. Opposing offenses kind of just do what they wanted up the middle. And now Golding's kind of add that fourth man, whether it's a, a down man or, or a guy up on the edge. Uh, it, it looks like it's added some new teeth to that defense, which I think that's that front line is the key part of this whole defense this year. It's the most experienced, most kind of veteran and seasoned group that the defense has just from players who've been here in the system and not having to rely so much on portal guys to plug and play in this year, like linebacker and in the secondary. Uh, you got Jared Ivey, uh, Cedric Johnson, AJ Pegues, uh, those kind of your three that are your kind of your main guys. You got Josh Harris from the portal, uh, way from the portal. Uh, you've got a lot of, just kind of muscle and beat up there that I think Gold is excited to kind of finally get against other teams. He's been practicing with them and he'll practice, you know, get them ready in the fall camp. But I think he's excited to kind of unleash that front line. Yeah. The, you mentioned it, but the linebacker in secondary took, they took a lot of transfers in those, in those spots. And um, they uh, specifically, obviously Jeremiah Jean Baptist, Monty Montgomery, uh, a guy like Deshaun Gaddy, who I watched obviously at North Texas the past uh, three years. I think he's a really good player. Jaden Candidate. I mean, there, there's a ton of lists. The list is long of players at linebacker and, and uh, safety and DB. Uh, just what do you make of the transfer additions and just how they've kind of remodeled it? Uh, we kind of got the most looks at the linebacker, the new guys at linebacker, just because they were here in the spring and Monty Montgomery and uh, Jeremiah. And I liked what they brought to it because uh, that linebacker group along with the Shanti Sistron and a couple other guys who were here, Keon, uh, Kari Coleman are kind of your two main returners. So you got four guys right there. It's a position that like, Kiffin was always kind of questionable about throughout the whole year last year, just in terms of depth and bodies and in case injury bug out them. And so I liked what he's done to the linebacker position and those I haven't gotten to see much of Kennedy and obviously Gaddy and them because they weren't here in the spring. But yeah, when I was kind of doing a roster reset, typing in new, you know, the new guys numbers yesterday for story, I did forgot how many portal guys the linebackers and secondary yeah. added. I mean, it's a whole new a whole new locker room in those positions. So that's that's something I'm excited to see. But yeah, the secondary Lost a lot of experience, just veteran leadership, and, and AJ Finley, Otis Reese, who are now off trying to do their thing in the NFL. Uh, you got Deontre Prince, who opted to come back and stay. 
uh, for one more season. So you kind of keep a little stability in, in terms of locker room presence in that regard. But no, there's a lot of new faces that are going to have to step up and kind of step up immediately at secondary uh, just for the defense to have not as much pressure put on the front two levels. Yeah. I did want to ask about um, incoming freshman Sunterine Perkins, uh, top 15 player, number one linebacker in the class, uh, five-star player. Obviously, it's early. We'll see him fall camp with all the freshmen in the country, but do you think he can contribute this year? Do you think he'll be in the linebacker rotation? Oh, yeah. I think uh, you know he's a guy I kind of forgot to add in there, but he I think he's the day one ready. He's impressing people in the weight room already since he got here in, at the end of May. Uh, he's jumping off the page, so to speak, to, to all the guys that we talked to. I think he's the one everybody's going to kind of paying attention to. Everybody's going to be watching number four on offense, but everybody's mm-hmm. going to also be running over to the defense practice field come August and and watching yeah. number four on and on defense and what Perkins can do. And, and he's kind of kind of like Aiden Williams on offense, where he was a top Mississippi kid, a receiver that almost landed. Uh, Perkins was a top top Mississippi kid, top defensive player in the state. So the expectations for him to come in and just be that immediate impact player, I think you're going to see him on the field immediately come September 2nd, I think it's for sure. Yeah. Um, those two are really exciting uh, additions for them at linebacker and receiver this year. Um, I have – is there an X-factor position where position unit, I should say, where it's like, all right, this they're, they're going to need this position unit to – you know, either live up to expectations or maybe surpass expectations or in order to get to to where they want to go as a team, whether that is, you know, nine, 10 wins, however far it is, is there a position unit that's maybe question mark that they're going to need to come through? I think that's the tight end position. Uh, that's the X factor. It's been the X factor for me. And I think it is just for everybody else. Michael Trigg was came in with Dart, you know, last mm-hmm. year, just had that one big game, three touchdowns against Central Arkansas. And then that was it. Uh, he just didn't really ever become that impact player or game changer player. Uh, we got hurt uh, midway this he play in the Vanderbilt game that kind of hindered him the rest of the way. But I think bringing in Caden pre-scoring from Memphis, the, he was the Tigers second best catcher last year, kind of maybe gets Jake's attention a little bit and says, all right, I got to buckle down. I got to take those steps and kind of keep my head in the game and, and make that move forward. But I think that makes the tight end position stronger better you've got a guy who can in pre-score who's big enough to kind of handle the blocking scheme so to speak for, for the run plays trick struggle in blocking uh so now you can maybe use him as more a slot kind of receiver type tight end uh, in that regard so i think that's the x factor for especially how the offense goes is what can dart or whoever quarterback do with the tight ends get out there so i expect trick and pre-scoring to be on field at the same time a lot of the a lot of the time just because of the they complement each other and they also bring two different styles of play. Yeah. Now, uh, last thing is um, we look ahead at the 2023 season. When, when I looked at the schedule, I forgot you have, they have a uh, two lane on the road in the week two and then Georgia tech at home and Georgia tech, obviously almost won 42 to zero last year, but it's still Georgia tech's at least a capable opponent that I think it will be better this year. Um, when we look at the non-conference, Tulane, Georgia Tech, uh, are you excited for that that Tulane game? I am. You know, I think it's more important than a lot of people are kind of thinking at the moment because I know Tulane lost a lot uh, from last mm-hmm. year's roster, and uh, you know, uh, but I still think it's the second game of the season. It's the road game. It's two in the afternoon in New Orleans in September. It's hot. It's gonna. Yes. There's a lot of factors to play for for both teams who are trying to 
mesh new rosters and new teams. And Tulane gets to be at home. That excitement's still there from the, the Cotton Bowl you know, just a handful of months ago. And I think they're, you know, I, I don't think they're a, a one-hit wonder. I think they're a team that, you know, they got a staff that's going to figure out how to make these new guys plug and play and, and be good. And I still think that's one to watch as an early potential kind of stub toe game. Uh, but I think in the end, Ole Miss will get it. And, you know, they should be 3-0 and before they start the jargonaut of the SEC schedule with Alabama LSU back-to-back, kind of an awful two punch. Uh, I expect Georgia Tech to the game to kind of go just like it did in Atlanta uh, last year where Ole Miss should dictate it early. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think you should see a lot of young guys get reps these first those first three weeks just to kind of see where the depth is. And, and then from there, it's murderer's row. It's like seven or eight SEC games in a nine-week stretch. You get a bye week tossed in early, mid-October, and then from there it's, it's just all SEC. And then they're, they've kind of started doing, finally, adding a ULM game, a non-conference yeah. game late in the year after Georgia to kind of lick their wounds before they – or right before Georgia, I believe, before they do that with and then wrap up with the uh, Egg Bowl. So it's, it's a tough stretch again, but it's a little more manageable in terms of it's not all non-conference kind of high school yeah. style – and then straight SEC all the way through. Yeah, you mentioned it's it's the the schedule is a little bit more balanced this year where it's not backloaded. Not I mean Alabama and LSU to start is is front loaded to a degree, but then Arkansas, Auburn, Vanderbilt, A and M is a stretch where Ole Miss can can do really well, and then Georgia and um, like you said ULM and then uh, Mississippi State. Um, when it comes to fans, media. Uh, setting expectations for this team overall, is there a sense of Lane needs to get back to ten wins um, for, for the for this program, or is it? I, I I think for me as an outsider, obviously it's like if they can go eight and four, punch maybe nine and three. I think that's an awesome year for for this team and this program, especially with LSU, Bama, and Georgia on the schedule as three really tough top ten games. Um, if you can go you know, eight and one in the rest of the, the way, that's to me a, a really, really good season. What what do fans and what do media think? Uh, I think it ranges from, you know, uh, oh, it's going to be like a six and six type team or, or season to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, eight, nine. And, you know, some just, I think, like to feel optimism and I, some put a 10 at the beginning yeah. of theirs. But most of it kind of falls, I think, in the eight to nine win area. Uh, but no, I mean there are expectations now with just uh, how last season, regular season ended with Kiffin Auburn saga and all that, and is he going? Is he mm-hmm. not going? And just how that drug out kind of rattled, stirred the stirred the fan base. It uh it rattled the fan base a little bit, and uh, you know I'd spent some time. Uh, he's here. Spring came and went, so kind of got everybody just focused on football. But we're looking at the schedule and season expectations. I think he's got to finally get one of those signature wins that he just you know he's beaten the teams he's supposed to but he hasn't fared well in those games that he needs to to get to move on this up the, the SEC ladder, so to speak. You know, he got that win at Tennessee a couple of years ago, and that's kind of the last big signature win, so to speak. So if somewhere this year, you know, at Georgia probably is – that's that's fool's gold probably. But Alabama, yeah, LSU, I think he's got to get one of those, I think, this year. Yeah, LSU at home would be an interesting one as far as big games because Al- Alabama's on the road and Georgia's on the road. Um, yeah, that those will be tough. I think, you know, you look at LSU at home, uh, A&M, obviously, who knows how good A&M will be this year, but um, A&M at home, you know, Arkansas at home, those are games where if you if you can take 
two out of those three, I think that they're, you're looking at a, a positive year. It's just such an interesting team with all the transfers, um, obviously golding at DC. Um, I'm, I'm just not sure exactly what to make of them, but I, I don't follow the team every, every day. So that's why it's a, it's a fascinating team for me. Yeah, no, this is, it, you know, he's, Kiffin's made this kind of a must watch TV, so to speak, uh, with the team and, you know, with the portal and all the kind of his personality and the recruiting tactics and style and, uh, getting big name assistant coaches in and Golding now has kind of brought the attention back. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of everything and how, what everybody else's questions are for Kiffin for this season, you know, when we get to Nashville in July for me today. So um, that always kind of makes me go, Oh, this is what everybody else is kind of thinking of this team as well. But for us who see it every day, it's, it's never a dull moment covering this beat. Yeah, for sure. But all right, Jake, uh, thank you for joining me. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I feel like this gave LSU fans really good uh, insight on um, Ole Miss, who's obviously one of the longtime rivals. Um, but, yeah, thank you for joining me. Appreciate it, Matt. Look forward to seeing you.